0: This coming Lord's Day, we celebrate the birth of Christ, His first advent, His first visit to this planet. To what end? We'll look at that next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, hi and welcome to the broadcast. We have a very exciting message laid out for you today and all week this week as we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ. To what end is the question and the answer, the resurrection of Christ. It's found here in Luke chapter 23, verses 56 through 24. Please join us there as we take a look at the resurrection of Christ. Man, talk about a celebration. Let's celebrate the birth of Christ by looking at His resurrection, shall we? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
1: Last week I started my sermon by reading to you the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 52, and its answer. Because there are three ideas in that one paragraph that I'd like to explain to you. Question 52 is, how was Christ exalted in His resurrection? And the answer is, Christ was exalted in His resurrection in that not having seen corruption in death, of which it was not possible for Him to be held. And having the very same body in which he suffered, with the essential properties thereof, but without mortality and other common infirmities belonging to this life, really united to his soul, he rose again from the dead the third day by his own power, whereby he declared himself to be the Son of God, to have satisfied divine justice, to have vanquished death, and him that had the power of it, and to be Lord of quick and dead, all which he did as a public person, the head of his church, for their justification, quickening in grace, support against enemies, and to assure them of their resurrection from the dead at the last day. Now the first part of that answer is that after Christ's physical death, his body did not see corruption. What that has reference to is Acts 13:35 and 37 that says, "Wherefore he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your holy one to undergo decay or corruption, but he whom God raised up did not undergo decay." And the point is that Christ's physical body in the grave did not begin putrefaction. It did not begin returning to the earth or to dust. Now, God's providence, as well as the closeness of Christ's human nature with His divine nature, made the putrefaction of Christ's body impossible. It also indicated the Father's loving care for Jesus' body broken by divine judgment. One man said that because Christ's soul didn't have the least blemish of moral corruption in life, it was not expedient that his body should have the least mark or emblem on it in death. Miraculously, his body did not decay in the grave and was exalted in his resurrection. No imperfections any longer whatsoever. No more holes in his hands or in his feet. He was raised pure and without any kind of infirmity and without the possibility of death. Here's the second thing our confession says. It was not possible for him to be held in death. It was not possible for Christ to be held in death. And that's reference to Acts 2.24, where it says, God raised him up again and putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And why did Jesus have to arise from the dead? Why was it impossible for death to hold its prey? Well, remember who Christ is. He's the Creator incarnate. He is the Lord and giver of life. He is the sovereign God incarnate who predestined His own resurrection as well as His death. Remember, Christ said to the Pharisees during His ministry, Destroy this temple, referring to His own body. And in three days, I will raise it up again. And then there's a third phrase on our catechism question that says... Christ rose again by his own power. Now think about that for just a minute. He's dead and he raises himself from being dead to being alive by his own power. If that doesn't astound you, please try it yourself someday. The next time you die, try raising yourself from the grave in your own power. Jesus said, no one has taken my life from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it again, this commandment I received from my Father. Now, far be it from me to criticize the larger catechism, particularly when it says that Christ rose again from the dead the third day by his own power. And there are scripture references that justify that language, but there are not many. The preponderant usage in the New Testament is not that Jesus raised himself from the grave. The preponderant testimony of the New Testament is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, it does say in one or two places that he arose through his own power, but these are the exceptions. And they are, of course, true. But the dominant way the New Testament speaks is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, why is that phrase used? Scripture could just e- as easily said, Christ arose. But it doesn't. It says over and over again on purpose, as if there was a special point that we should get that God raised Jesus from the dead. And hopefully by the time I'm done today you'll see why. But let me give you a few passages. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been raised, you see he is the object here, someone else is raising him, your faith is in vain, you are still in your sins. Acts 5.30, the God of our Father raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. Romans 4.23, now not for his sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also to whom it was reckoned as those who believe who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Now that's just a sampling of the text and you'll see a few more in just a minute. But over and over again, the way of the resurrection of Christ is set forth in the Bible is that God, the subject, raised Jesus, the object, from the dead. And God's raising of Jesus is basic to every aspect of our salvation. So without that raising of Jesus from the dead, we have nothing. Now life results from Christ's resurrection. He said, because I live, you will live also. Forgiveness of sins results from Jesus' resurrection after having been crucified. It says in Acts 13, he whom God raised did not undergo decay, therefore let it be known to you that through Him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. The entirety of our salvation hinges upon Christ's resurrection. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. First Corinthians fifteen fourteen, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Verse seventeen, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. A preacher by the name of R. A. Tory said, "The crucifixion of Jesus." loses its meaning without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the death of Christ was only the heroic death of a noble martyr. But with his resurrection, it is the atoning death of the Son of God. The fact that God raised Jesus from the dead is the heart of gospel preaching in the apostolic church. Go through the book of Acts sometime and see how many times they preached God raised Jesus from the dead. Belief in His resurrection is also at the very heart of saving faith. Romans 4.24 says, salvation will be given to those, now listen, who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead from the dead, who was delivered up because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. We believe you, we we believe you must be saved by faith. But it's not some kind of general faith in God. Saving faith believes in God the Father in terms of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And beloved, if your faith is real... If you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is because you have believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. Scripture says salvation comes to those who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So if you don't believe in God in terms of the fact that He raised Jesus from the dead, you have no salvation. Saving Faith believes that God has said something very special and something very specific to the believer by raising Christ from the dead. Now, let me explain why it says it like like this. Instead of saying Christ arose, it says God raised him from the dead. Why does scripture say it like that? Because God has something very, very special to say (coughs) to every one of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a few of those things. First of all, by raising Jesus from the dead, God is telling us that Jesus is the Lord of our lives and of our entire world. Acts 2.32 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. And in Ephesians one twenty two and 23, we learn that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he put all things, not some things, all things, Things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So what is God especially telling us by raising his son from the dead? He's saying to me, Gary, Jesus is your Lord. He is the master of your life. He is the Lord and King and Master over everything that takes place on this earth, and everything has to be understood in terms of His government and His plan. And if you are to live for the reason God created you, then you must surrender yourself to His Lordship, all of your money, all of your energy, all of your time, the entirety of your life. God had something very special to tell us by raising Jesus from the dead. And it was that He is the Son of God, our Lord, and we are to surrender our lives to Him. Well, if God is either Lord over your whole life, or you negate His Lordship in your life. If you are a rebellious wife or a tyrannical husband in disobedience to the Word of God, Jesus is not your Lord. You nullify His Lordship. If you are dishonoring towards your parents, regularly you negate the Lordship of Christ. If you are overspending and you are in debt, you are saying, Lord, I do not care what you say about debt. And you negate the lordship of Christ. Beloved, he demands lordship over every area of your life. Secondly, by raising Jesus from the dead, God is confirming the claims of Christ to be God incarnate. He is saying to us, this is my son, hear him. He is whom he says he is. Romans 1, 1 through 4 tell us that the gospel of God promised in the Old Testament is about God's son who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh who was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So by raising Jesus from the dead, God in indisputable terms is testifying that Jesus is the Son of God. He is everything He claims to be. And if you don't believe it, the problem is, Not with Him. It is with you and your unbelief and your unwillingness to submit to His rule. The argument's over, beloved. There is no more debate. Jesus is the Son of God, and God raised Him from the dead to testify to that fact, so that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ does not rest on archaeology or science or logic It rests upon the testimony of the living God himself. It rests upon God's word and not upon the word of man. Third, by raising Jesus from the dead, God is telling us something very special. He is telling us that he is fully and completely satisfied with the redemptive work of his son on the cross. I don't know about you, but I love to think about that. By raising Jesus from the dead, God is saying to me, Gary, I am fully and completely satisfied with the redemptive work of Jesus, my son, on the cross for you. Romans 8.32 and following says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How will he not also, with him freely, give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yea, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. You see, God raising Jesus from the dead is His way of telling us that He He is satisfied. With Christ's death on the cross. Let me put it another way. If God had not accepted Christ's death on the cross as a satisfaction of his justice in our place, Jesus would still be in that grave. And how do we know what Jesus said about what his death meant is true? He said, My death is going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be a substitutionary sacrifice. All the hell, all the condemnation, all of the demands of God's justice against sinners is going to beat upon him, and he's going to take the punishment of sin in my place, and he will obtain redemption for everyone for whom he died when he died. So none of his children will be lost. Well, God, how do we know for sure that that worked? How do we know that you accepted the sacrifice that Jesus said he was offering to you? And God says to me, Gary, I raised him from the dead. If I hadn't accepted his sacrifice, he would still be being tormented in hell with the consequences of man's sin. But he's not there. For Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Beloved, it is finished. One of the books I've been studying said that the resurrection is God's amen to Jesus' words. It is finished. So when Jesus said, it is finished, God said, amen, And three days later, he was raised from the dead. It accomplished the old account settled. The basis for salvation has been laid. No more blood needs to be shed. No more works need to be performed. And how do I know? God raised Jesus from the dead, telling us something very special. And that is that his death was accepted by God as a complete sacrifice for our sins, and now nothing can keep us from our God. God has something else special to tell us by raising Jesus from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead to tell us the good news, that all of the covenant promises of God are realized in Christ and are poured out on us in Him. God raised Jesus from the dead to assure us with the good news that all the covenant promises of God that He made throughout the Bible for His people are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and poured out on us in Christ. Acts thirteen thirty-two and following say this, And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the Father's That God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus. And as for the fact that he raised him up from the dead no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And how do I know those blessings are mine? How do I know they will come true in my life? How do I know that God will be my God and the God of my children down through their generations in an everlasting covenant? How do I know that God will bless those who love him down through thousands of generations? How do I know that God will continue to claim his family that are here, present, right now in this era, as well as those who are yet to be born from our mother's wombs? How can I know that the promises of God will be fulfilled in our lives? God says, I'll tell you how. I raised Jesus from the dead. He died on the cross to purchase all of these promises for you and I. He arose from the dead to make sure all of these promises are properly administrated into your life through faith in Him. It's not automatic. It's not without faith. Nothing happens without faith. We don't believe things just happen automatically. Blessings of salvation come by faith and by faith alone. So how do you know? God asks, how do you know I'll be faithful to my promises to all of you who are faithful and believe? I raised Jesus from the dead.